<laughs> is that is that Jaws' size? <laughs> oh, see, we, see, we're having fun already with it. Once again, welcome to the Pepper Pod, the Pepper Pod, which has been away for uh, a couple of weeks, and it seems like forever, doesn't it, Eddie? Well, what, what, what have you been up to in the fortnight since we last spoke? Um, well, very little. I mean, I did start practicing again, but uh, yeah, well, we quarantined the podcast, I suppose, didn't we? So, how are you and the dogs? They're fine. They're fine. I mean, obviously, I uh, did the silly thing of putting out another video last week, so that I'm not sure why. I do it to myself and to the do- actually not to the dogs they don't know or care but it just invited the world in and 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 it all goes a bit mad and I, I can't quite cope with the sort of um the reaction to it and the repercussions thereof um yeah. so it, it kind of makes me think if we were to create like a new religion tomorrow me and you hmm. and we had to create three new wise men I feel like the wisest of the three would not even download twitter um the second wisest of the three would download it for a week and then think, no, this isn't for me. And the third, you know, the least wise would probably do what me and you are doing. Mm-hmm. And I just think, what a, what a sad world we live in. But um, last week I was walking the dogs, me and Jen were walking the dogs down Abingdon. And um, there was this notice from Thames Valley Police on the wall. And we were like, oh, what's this? And it basically said there have been reports of dogs chasing the uh the wildlife and if any of dogs get caught then it's going to be a five thousand pound fine and i was like that's unbelievable like you know they're dogs i mean they're going to chase geese and rabbits and these things you know but i wondered and jen thought it was to do with the times article i did with david walsh where i did mention that pip had uh basically killed a goose oh you did um jen (laughs) i didn't mention where it happened and uh you know, oh, no. I'm not saying it happened in Abingdon, but um, it could have happened anywhere. But um, it happened in yeah. Abingdon, didn't it? Well, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not going to disclose <laughs> no. that information. But um, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a little th- scary. When you said, see, the trouble is, you're telling that story there, and you said the five thousand pound fine. I, I was instantly in my head calling George Cotier on you. I thought there was no. going to be some. So that's a five thousand pound fine. A five thousand pound fine if, if your dog was to get caught or report. And they said they had hidden cameras. Um, they hid cameras around. So, I mean, it's just. We didn't know what to think, but um, hmm. yeah, so we've been walking on eggshells down there with Pip. I mean, you know, yeah. Now, yeah. I'm still thinking about this new religion that we're going to found and the fourth wise man who you didn't mention, would he be on TikTok or something doing um, dancing? Um, David Walsh wrote a very good article. Um, I mean, he writes very good articles all the time, but there's one about Michael Jordan and playing at Sunningdale with uh, Queenie with Michael King and and Gary Lineker and Keith Maxwell, the pro there. It was just a very, it was a very a beautifully written article um, about Michael Jordan being at Sunningdale, really. I've got to watch The um, the Last Dance. Everyone, everyone's saying you've got to watch it. Have you watched it yet, the Michael no, Jordan? No, I haven't. Mm. I haven't. It's interesting. Like Michael Jordan, um, I know he's a legend, but he doesn't really mean anything to me in any way. So it's like, not like I've got any... It's not like I would be watching a Tiger Woods documentary. Um, obviously, that would me have a lot more impact for me. Yeah. But I never watched any of his stuff, so uh, yeah, I'm not really that bothered about it. But I have heard it's amazing. So um, yeah, 
I, yeah, but I'm also mm. one of those people that if someone recommends something, says you've got to what you have got to watch this. Oh, you have got. Then I'll dig my heels in and deliberately not well, watch it, even if I really want to watch it. I know, I agree, and that's why Eddie recommends is the worst feature to ever feature on a podcast. <laughs> I'm excited about Eddie recommends this week. I'm excited to see what you've got up your sleeve. So um, I'm going to recommend the Last Dance. Oh, God, I should watch that. You should watch that. Everyone should watch that. Michael Jordan's autographed trainers from 1985 sold for a record $560,000 in an online auction this week. So this was in his rookie season, uh, 1985, yeah, um, with the Chicago Bulls. Um, They were sold by a guy who founded the trainer museum, Shuseum, in Las Vegas, and sold for, yeah, $560,000. Interestingly, Michael Jordan, uh, his two shoes were different sizes, which I think is similar. Most people have one foot that's slightly bigger than the other, but he um, was able, obviously, to, like a lot of us, will just put up with the discomfort in one foot because, or the relative discomfort, because we're not going to buy two pairs of shoes and just discard a couple of the, the shoes. So he had a left size 13 and a right size 13 and a half. So do you have one foot bigger than the other, Eddie? Good chat. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Possibly. Good. Um, Excellent. What size of feet do you have, Eddie? Uh, nine and a half. Yeah. Mm. Small, like a little, a little fawn with hooves. Um, well, that's right. not small. I mean, that you know, I'm five foot ten. That's average. I'm, oh. I'm average in every department there is going, to be honest. So uh, there we are. A bit disappointing. You've lost uh, a lot of people remarking on your weight loss, though, and how svelte and fit you're looking because you posted a picture as you were getting ready to go back and play golf with your shiny, shiny bag and, and little shoes on and hat and keen and eager face. And uh, a lot of people remarked on, wow, Eddie, wow, this regime, give me some of that bone broth. Yeah, it's getting to the point now where I'm actually trying to put some on, um, but I'm going to stick with the diet. So the last two days I've been trying to eat more. So yesterday I reckon I had close to 1.5 kilos worth of meat mm. in a day which um is going to sound a lot and it and it was a lot i must say i'm eating twice a day two massive meals and um i'm basically just not feeling hungry at any point in 24 hours but i'm having to eat so it's pretty remarkable but yeah it's uh it's fallen off me it's, it's just uh but i feel i do feel great that's why i want to keep going before i add in kind of rice or any kind of carbohydrate because i'm training quite a lot as well and i don't want to lose what i'm gaining in the gym because you know I'm I'm getting strong, you know, not not quite Brooks Koepka level strong, but I mean I must be up there with the Carl Petersons of the world, uh, Peterson, <laughs> Pete Peterson, Jordan yeah. Peterson, um, Suzanne Peterson. Um, I'm somewhere in the mix of all that. So, um, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, well that's good. Um, right before we come on to your return to golf and how it went, and everybody's return to golf, in fact, just quickly a little um, quiz for you: true or false? In George could say a shark style: true or false? Which of these things have I been asked to commentate on in the last week? Uh, kitten soccer, guinea pigs doing kung fu, Call of Duty International League, rental cars being washed, and pizzas cooking. Uh, I would love it to be the rental cars being washed. Well, it's all they're all true. I've been asked to commentate on all of those no. things. So, yeah, and I have said no to any of them. I mean, if they had offered me huge amounts of money, I don't know what the video game, the Call of Duty International League, would have offered me, but they say... Anyway, they, they, they're looking for commentators because, you know, people play online in these teams and it's like the San Francisco Thunder against the Milton Keynes hats. And, um, and, and it's just guys you know, talking at each other and then you have commentators 
who are all obviously you know mic'd up as well, and they're they're saying, oh, he's gone for the face shot. Um, I don't, that's I don't know what if that happens in Call of Duty, but I did watch some of it, and it's just obviously utterly incomprehensible to someone who doesn't play Call of Duty. And then there was another game called Overwatch, which they were asking me to commentate on as well. And I have, you know, I could commentate on Daily Thompson's decathlon. Um, and that's about it. Oh, he's hammering his keyboard. It's broken, and he's jumped three feet in the long jump. But there we are. That's, that's... Uh, um, On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how much are you looking forward for sport coming back? I need it now. We all need it now. It's just just to have some... Not even for the sport itself, for just for the feeling of something normal and habitual and something to pass the time that it's interesting. I saw David Badil had a quote in the paper and he said it was quite, I I thought about a lot because everything's, the time is flying by so quickly. And he said, well, time is like, time is like flowing water. To slow it down, you have to put things in its way. And there's nothing in its way Mm -hmm. at the moment. And it's just racing past. And it's racing past, but we're not really go. We're not really going anywhere or doing anything. So if you have those blocks in the way, those boulders in the stream, islands in the stream, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, of of things to do and things to watch and things our our jobs, then you know my, go more slowly. Yeah, my dad used to have a quote about um, patience and time, and he used to use it in the context of be patient, Eddie. You know, don't don't want it all today. And but yet he would say, time waits for no man. And I would say to him, Dad, that means the opposite of what you think it means, you know, because time waits for no man, as I read that, means, well, actually, yeah, be impatient, you know, make it happen now. But he would use it in the context of be patient. So uh, my dad was never really one for the philosophical inquiry of the family, and uh, I think we should have left it to David Badil. But, um, uh, I t- yeah. hang on. Someone sang a song about time waits for no man, and it's, it's going through my head, and I'll remember by the end of this podcast. Is it time? Oh. Anyway, right. Um, I will remember. I will remember. The song Andrew is thinking of is Time Waits for No Man by popular beat combo The Rolling Stones. Um, so I did do uh, a bit of commentary on the BMW Indoor Invitational, which is the Trackman one where... So Laurie Cantor, he was seven under after seven on Port Rush at the weekend. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I watched a lot of it and I thought, oh, this doesn't look very realistic. And then I saw Laurie Cantor was seven under through seven. I thought, this is, <laughs> this is bullshit. I mean, there's just none of this that's in any way realistic. So uh, I turned off, I'm afraid. Uh, well, no, because, well, anything inside eight feet is a gimme because you can't really replicate the putting accurately. The whole co- the courses are an amazing detail. Obviously, with the Trackman stats, it's pretty accurate in terms of the, the spin rate and the club head speed and the ball speed and the trage. Um, but yeah, when you've been giving anything inside uh, eight feet, and then there's no rough either, so you you had players hitting it down to the right of the sixteenth green, and you know in the bundai, absolutely dead, and then just chipping in from there. So, well, again, to, and I know he's a great player, but when I saw Martin Keimer chip in, I thought again, it's not realistic. <laughs> anyway, eventually Connor Syme won ten thousand dollars for charity. For uh, he split it between a couple of charities. But there we are. Golf is uh, actual golf. Real golf is back. You see the man, uh, the man with a hole in one at style um, on his first shot back. 18 handicapper Ed Sanderson on the 176 yard par three first hole at style and his first ever hole in one. So that was that was quite a nice return. Yeah, that's that doesn't doesn't get better than that, does it? What do you get? Where do you go from there? I mean, Downhill. a bit like you. He's probably well, you and him are probably the two people on the planet that have come out of this pandemic with uh, you know shining colours, really. Uh, um, I haven't come out of it yet. I'm going to disgrace myself. What was your first shot back like? I actually hit the ball quite well. I was really surprised. Mm. Um, I saw your swing on Instagram. Is that, is that your coach's Insta? You don't have an Insta account, a, a no. gram account, do you? 
No. Uh, yeah, it was my coach. Yeah, Simon Shanks. Great name. If I told you, you know, because obviously Simon Shanks is a great name for a golf coach, but even more amazingly, his assistant at Bowood years ago was called Matthew Hacking. Um, that's a true story. So Shanks and Hacking Golf Academy. Mm. And Jonathan Thinnett through the back uh, as well, hyphenated. That's uh, amazing names. Right, so, but, but in general, your golf is pretty good. I was just wondering about your weight loss because of the balance. I remember when Monty, who we're going to be speaking to soon, incidentally, when he lost a lot of weight, he, his all his rhythm went, his t- timing went. He felt that he just didn't quite have the, just the natural fall onto the shot. So I'm just wondering if um, everything feels okay for you. Yeah, well, what I've been doing to compensate that is me and Jen have been doing salsa lessons um, every other night at home. So um, I'm really still got it in the hips. And um, yeah, but uh, no, no, all seriousness aside, uh, no, I feel fine, you know, because I'm still training a lot. You know, I'm actually stronger. So... I'm stronger um, and I'm lighter, so force production's gone up. Mm. Um, you know, I'm force, produ- force production. Mm. Yeah, is that a thing? I, I mean, think so. Is. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a thing now. Um, right. What about this charity match that we saw at Seminole? I mean, I was interested to watch it because you've never had televised golf at Seminole before, and Seminole is one of the Seminole courses. It's one of the it's one of the best in in the states in Florida. The old Donald Ross design. It's been tweaked a bit over the years, but it's pretty much true to its original design, and it's kind of in the spirit of the the Royal Melbourne or Augusta as it was with the, the, the you know the runoffs and the it's not it's not a, a a target golf course. It's got the upturned greens and it's it's it was it was fascinating to see. I'm not sure the match itself the the principle behind it was was great to get golf back out there and they they made over five million dollars for charity. So I, I don't know what you made of it. Oh, well, I watched four holes, um, mm. and in those four holes, bloody Donald Trump turned up. So, I mean, you know, I just despaired. Really, I mean, mm. I don't know what else to add. It was okay. I, it did make me realise actually the production that usually goes into a golf tournament, and I suppose here I'm talking more about the sky because you know anyone who's seen golf in America or indeed anything on American TV will know it's just impossible to watch because of all the adverts. But at least in the UK, you have you have a lot more coverage to to speak of, and I think it made me appreciate what actually gets put on TV from Sky. You know, it's really quite a great production. So I missed that. You know, listening to the microphones, you could hear them snorting and sneezing and coughing and oh, it was just like i don't really want to hear that you know and and they're all lovely people i'm sure and they well we know they are i know rory and he's great but it wasn't like the banter was but this is the thing people have unexpect uh, unrealistic expectations you know banter isn't going to be flying around Bans. you know yeah, I think the I think the point of it was that that it, yeah you're right it was never going to be and they only had six cameras even for that with no fans with just the players and doing everything with the minimal amount of people they still had one thousand one hundred people on the property to make that happen so it's extraordinary when you think about you know the the preparations and and guidelines and everything that has to be put in place for that to happen but yeah so it was uh, Rory and Dustin Johnson uh, against uh, Matthew Wolf. And Ricky Fowler, shorts, a lot of shorts on, a lot of legs on display. Yeah, well, they all had lovely legs, so mm. good on them. But I will say, I did enjoy watching Dustin. You know, there was a number of times I just watched him. I think he was asked to move his ball marker on one on one hole, and he didn't put his putt, and he just moved it with his finger. And yeah. I just thought, he came across as great. Like, he, yeah. he, he really did come across well, I thought. And I liked the Twitter as well, like, no laying up on Twitter, I thought were very funny. Mm. There were some quite amusing tweets out there last night, I must say, which I enjoyed. Well, I would have put out amusing tweets, but the trouble is every time I tweet about golf now, just the, the dog people lay into me. 
Say, what is this nonsense? What is, I hate golf. There are dogs involved in golf. So, I mean, even when I tweet about this pod tonight to say, hey, we're back, I'm going to have to put out another picture of Mabel or something like that just to, just to appease them. Yeah. The, the being massive. Well, what you need, the irony is if you'd have done a cat video, you'd have lost followers. Um, so you just have to get a, get a couple of cats, throw a couple mm. of cats in there and you'll soon lose the follower. Followers. Yeah. Follower. The follower, yeah. Um, uh, Matt Wolf. Uh, I mean, I, again, a lot of people, I have to say, incidentally, that it's three minutes until we, the time that we arranged for Monty to come on. Now, um, he, uh, he was grappling with technology and said he could do it on the phone, but anything beyond that on, on Zoom or on this system that we are using is just uh, is not for him. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see if he will appear in three minutes. So we're going to have a live Monty countdown. He might appear, he might not. Um, but yeah, so Matt Wolf, he won both the long drives out there. He knocked one about 3.55 and one about 3.60. 70 and his swing is I quite I quite like his swing just because I quite like a loopy outside to inside dropping it down in the inside I just love that it's a sort of whiplash swing it's uh it's his his very own isn't it yeah it's pretty awesome actually uh, I did see a photo of all four of their back swings at the top of the back swing and uh the difference was just amazing you know it, you think the modern game has more kind of you know homogenization of the swings but it doesn't really when you look at that and um it's a nice word to throw in there, isn't it, and, mm. Andrew? Um, Homogenization. Yeah, is, is that how you pronounce it? See, I always struggle with the word homogenous because I've heard it said homogenous and then homogeneous. Mm. Well, I mean, I would um, always go for homogenous, but... Uh, yeah, me know. too. Um, Who was yeah. it said homogenous? Was it Donald Trump? It was someone quite intelligent, like, you know, and I thought, oh, maybe I've been saying it wrong all this time. Um, mm. But it doesn't matter because Pip and Gus don't understand what it means anyway. But I've been reading quite an interesting book this week. It's called The Precipice. Mm-hmm. It's by a guy called Toby Ord, who's a philosopher at Oxford University. And it's about existential risk and basically just weighing up all the risks to humanity in the future. It's um, mm. not the most lighthearted book in the world, but it's uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it sounds a great, a great page turner uh, for comic relief. This time, well, you know, but you, you're you're right to read some of these serious books. Um, I mean, I suppose it would be homogeneous if you took the two halves of it together. So um, maybe we should start that and and see if we can get homogeneous turned into homogeneous around the world. See if we can make it catch on. Um, members of Seminole Golf Club, Jerry McElroy, Rory's dad's a member there. Um, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. who I think has just moved to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think because I read it on the internet. Um, he must have retired. I thought he'd retired. Anyway, and I Ben did. Hogan used to get ready for the Masters by playing at Seminole as well. So um, there we are. Yeah, so it was a charity match, as I mentioned. Taylor, a good advert for TaylorMade as well. A good advert for everybody because there were uh, so many breaks in there. Uh, McElroy eventually um, sealing the, lots of skins carried over after the 18 holes to a one-playoff hole. They played the 17th again, shortened it down to about 125 yards. He knocked it closest. But everyone was a winner, and there well, we are. Well, you say everyone was a winner. But um, not according to Mel Reid, because there were no women playing. So, um... well, interesting. I saw that, and I absolutely understand the sentiment that she's making I, in terms of you know the, you could you could have involved women playing. But then I looked at I don't know why I looked at the comments that in reply to her tweet. But you know that can't be nice for anyone to get comments like that in reply to any tweet. So I'd say you know just. Everyone be be civil about it, and I'll get accused of being a woke liberal now, but um, there we go, I can take yeah, it. Yeah, or just be smart to begin with. Yeah, I could do that. Um, right, so, um, hang on a second. Uh, uh, my mobile's just gone off saying Colin, but that's my brother Colin, not Colin <laughs> Montgomery. Colin Montgomery is not in my phone as Colin. He's in there as Chief, the big man. Uh, so I'm going to have to ignore that, Colin. But Colin, and it's now one minute past 11, and Monty said he would ar- arrive at 11 o'clock, so... 
of all the many things that Monty is, he's also tardy. Um, I don't think he's going to... Maybe that... No, that is definitely my brother. Um, right, so we're just going to have to wait for, for Monty to appear. Uh, hang on a second, I've got an email's coming. Oh, there we are. Here he is. Shh, right, I'm going to answer this. I'm going to answer this. And... Hello, Colin. Hello, Andrew. How are we? <laughs> we're all right. Eddie's here as well, Colin. Hi, Colin. Is he? Good. Yeah. Hi, Eddie. How are you? Great sound. That's a, that's a cracking sound that is a good, a you've, got, you've got a high-quality phone, Colin. Have I? Have I got a high-quality good? Because I'm, because I'm sitting in the area where they've got the best coverage in the house. Oh, so no. Okay. We spoke too early. It's going away already. <laughs> right, if, you, if your signal starts to go, then we are going to... Have you got a landline? If it does start to go, could you phone back from a landline if it does start to, to drift away? I, I could, but we should be okay, shouldn't we? We should be. It's it's good at the moment, and let's just live with it. Right, we're just going to start going then, Colin, if you're okay with that. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You might, oh, dear, you might regret this. Eddie, Eddie, we go back a few years, okay? Okay, Andrew well, and I. I'm, I'm hoping that at some point he does his Monty impression That's during this. And, uh, and I want to have to guess between who's who. He's... Uh, He's got to do it, hasn't he, Eddie? Come on, come on! He's got to do it. It's I mean, not, I mean, he's got to finish off with it because it is, it is a good one. Of all, you can tell, you can say what you want about what's his name, Connor, the Irish guy, but Andrew's better, Eddie. Andrew's better. He the, is. the funny thing is, Eddie, that was me just doing it there for the last thirty <laughs> seconds. So nailed it. I was talking about that Connor guy, right? Um, Colin, what what have you been up to anyway? There again, that's the question we're asking everybody. What have you been up to over the last? Eight weeks seems like eight years. It does, doesn't it? Sounds a long time. Has been a long time. I, uh, well, I bought a net. I bought a practice net. And it was a three meter by three meter practice net for the garden. And I didn't realize that three meters was as big as it is. Three meters is quite high. Mm. And uh, trying to put it up was beyond me. So after it fell on Sarah, who was, who was helping at the time, I decided to get some help and get the guys that actually delivered it to fix it. So mm. I got my net, got my yeah. mat, and I've been hitting balls in the net, trying to find a swing. At my grand age of 56, it's not easy. And uh, what else have I been doing? I've been power washing my uh, patio at the back. Now, that was, there's a hell of a thing. Hard, harder work than you. I thought Karcher, these things did it for you. You know, it says power washer, but no, it was hard work, back breaking. But we got all the we got all the ten years of moth and crap off the garden, and that was that. So this is and uh, generally driving everybody nuts around the house. You know. Oh, this is this is exactly what we were looking for. I I've got my <laughs> Karcher thing, and it's uh, it's very it's very satisfying yeah. when you use it. When but you're right, it is a faff. It's a real fiddle to okay. use. But then oh. when you do get that accumulated grime off, it's very satisfying. Oh. It's like painting a picture. It is. It is the first the first sort of I think the slabs are three by twos, right? And there's a, there's there's a number of them. And the first slab, I thought. Wow, this is oh yeah! I've got to keep going now. It's like it was like painting with numbers. You know, you're right. You know, you just go from one to the other, and you get all the moss between them, and you are oh, fantastic. Uh, is this what you were hoping for, Eddie? In terms of what what Colin's been uh, up to? I'm crying. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no questions. Just keep talking. All right. So, um, okay. Well, I, do you do you ever watch golf when you're not playing, Colin? We were talking about the match. You know, played at Seminole. I bet you've played Seminole. 
I bet you've played Seminole. I have once. I played Seminole once in a charity event, and I, like a number of others watching, <laughs> was not really taken by it the way that the Seminole people talk about these big four clubs. You know, you talk about the Seminole, Pine Valley, Cypress Point, and Augusta. Mm. And there's a sort of myth in America that you can't be, you can't be a member of all four. And only three or something crazy, but I but I would definitely put Seminole at the bottom of that list. I mean, it didn't come over well on TV yesterday. I know the Walker Cup's there. It's going to be great for TV. That's first TV event yesterday. And I was looking forward to live golf until the first hole and thought, no, no I could do something better than this. I could do something constructive. Yeah. So Do your flag stones. I mean, it wasn't great. They were all mic'd up, weren't they? Which yeah. was which was the right thing to do for a bit of banter, a bit of you know, you know, carry on, whatever. But there was there was nothing there. It, it didn't quite work. No. And then it... Donald Trump came on, and that was it. So I thought <laughs> I'd just. I'd just... <laughs> I think a lot of people turned off at that point. So it's uh, yeah. it's <laughs> interesting. Anyway. Um... I mean, there's so much to talk about in terms of a return to golf. I mean, I suppose for you in the Champions yeah. Tour, it really has been absolutely decimated. I mean, I suppose this week was yeah. supposed to be the senior PGA, wasn't it? And then the US Open's gone, and then the, the, the it has. The, we've lost our. We've lost our. We have five majors on our on our Champions Tour. They call it PGA Tour Champions. They want to get the PGA Tour in. They changed our name from Champions Tour last year to PGA Tour Champions, and. Unfortunately, yeah, we've lost the sort of three big ones, really, which was the U.S. Open, the U.S. PGA, and, of course, the Senior Open has mm. been postponed mm. but possibly cancelled or whatever. Uh, so we're not sure how that's going to go. The other two being the Regents Tradition and the Bridgestone Players, but they're only 78 players. The others are 156 fields, you know, proper fields. But... So, yeah, it's, it has been decimated. Uh, we're supposed to start late July at uh, the Alley Challenge, they call it, which is in Detroit. Mm. And But, hey, who knows? You know, we're just, we're just hoping that the guinea pigs, which are the PGA Tour, uh, it works, you mm. know. And, uh, but I didn't see much social distancing yesterday mm. from the players. They were a bit close, so uh, hopefully they'll, they'll get that right. But... Uh, if the PGA Tour works next month, then we should be able to start. We've got 10 events left, so it's just a matter of get, getting across to America. That's the, that's the issue now, is getting across there, because right now, you know, they're only accepting what green card holders and citizens, mm. and neither, of, neither am I of which. So, you know, we need a sort of visa waiver type deal to get, to get ourselves in yeah. to the country. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, actually, I saw a little memo come out from the PGA Tour, um, Last week, and it, and it mentioned that if a player was to test positive at an event, he would be disqualified and asked then to quarantine in that state for two weeks. And I yeah. thought, you know, that's a huge risk. So, I, you know, I'm interested, what would mm. you, would you take that risk, Colin, do you think, or not? Well, I also, I also heard that they paid the player 100000 Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> So if you're exactly if you're if you're, if you're oh, in fifty seventh place at the time, you just say, "Oh, a little bit of a cough coming on." I, oh, I don't feel so well. I'll take eight weeks quarantine well, is, for that. You know, I mean, I've spoken to a number of players. I've heard from the Molinaris, Westwood, Fleetwood, and they, you know, obviously, you know, can play in America as as probably yourself can, Eddie. And I'm and I'm not sure whether I would. To be honest, it's the one country that in the world you wouldn't really be wanting to go to right now. 
Mm. Uh, you know, they don't seem to be taking it as seriously as the rest of the world did. And uh, uh, it's the one country that you wouldn't want to be isolating in or, or doing whatever you have to do. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is an issue. So thank goodness we've got another six weeks to go before, before we have to go over. And let's hope whether it's yay or nay. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Eddie. It's, it's probably not the country you'd probably want to go to right now. Well, well, on that then, what about the Ryder Cup? As a man of the Ryder Cup, a former captain and stalwart on the playing side, because a lot of people are talking about, you know, let's just make it happen. If it happens without fans, so be it. It'd be great just to have it happen. And then others are saying, other notable players are saying, it can't happen without the fans. So where would you stand on that? Well, I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to go to the, the latter. I think uh, the Ryder Cup being a unique event uh, I think you could possibly play PGA Tour events or even or even the possible major without without crowds. The Ryder Cup is unique in that way, and I don't feel at all that you can play the Ryder Cup without fans. It would be rushing it through for the sake of rushing it through. I mean, there's no there's no reason why it can't be delayed a year. You know, we did it uh, we did it in 2001 through to 2002. It didn't hurt and. Uh, I think we have to do the same again. I think the Ryder Cup is unique in that way, and it's made by the fans. Uh, the fans make or break a Ryder Cup, and I think that without it, it just wouldn't be the competition that it's become. Do you do you feel that way, Eddie? Would you having having watched the Ryder Cup the way you have? Would you feel the same, or are you in a different view? Yeah, no, I, I was um, entirely in that in that camp, and then I, I think. What's most concerning, actually, from a European standpoint, is you've had Rory and John Rahm both say that. Now, when the two best mm-hmm. players in the world are saying that, yeah. you know, they're the two guys. When you want to go to Whistling Straits, they've got to perform because if those two don't, it's going yeah. to be very, very difficult to win that Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. So, if Rory sure. and John Rahm are telling you and us, listen, I'm not sure I'm going to be up for it in the same way. I don't know, but obviously, I understand there's huge commercial interests, you know, that make that might well make it happen. So it's. I'm with the players, I'm with you on that, you know, I agree with you that I've described it and I'll keep coming up with the analogy because I think it's quite beautiful and I came up with it, but um, it's like being asked <laughs> to listen to your favourite song and not tap your feet along, and I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's bloody hard, and, um, know. you know, it's, it just will lose the soul, so, um, yeah, I mm-hmm. just hope it doesn't go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm with you. Right. Um, with you. right, Eddie, so you told me, and I don't know anything about this, the planning of it, but you told me that you had a quiz for Colin so I I say this again with some trepidation but uh, unleash your quiz please Eddie yeah it's um, called Colin's quiz it's not a very good one but um, you know uh, it's tough tough times at the moment but four questions but actually I think you should both be involved in this Andrew right okay go go for it first question then we'll go higher or lower higher or lower game because these are quite hard so Colin how many times have you won on the European tour I know the answer Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you do it's Mm. Right. Okay. So that's this is quite a stacked quiz in Colin's favour, really. Um, I do know that. Right. Okay. So uh, go on. Yeah. So it's thir- thirty-one. Well, that, that, that wasn't the question. No, all right. That's not I see. Question. All right. No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm no, sorry. That wasn't the question. No, that's say, not the question. I was going to say thirty-something, oh. if that helps. Yeah. No, no. That's that's the precursor. Right. So higher or lower than thirty-one? How many rally wins did Colin McRae have? <laughs> okay. uh, you are god. Uh, I'm, I'm going to book yeah. Lore before Colin gets in there so he can't have Lore now can he he has to go the other one is that the, is that the way it works oh, no you can both agree okay 
I think lower okay, than 31. You... 31. So that's a... <sighs> okay, well, I've got to go higher then, haven't I? Well, okay. you don't Colin have McRae to. Colin was good. Colin McRae was very, was very good. Brilliant. It, 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 the, the answer's 25, so it was lower. Right, sure. okay. So, uh, ding, 1-0 to me. Wasn't as good as me, thought. No. Colin McRae, <laughs> okay. Colin McRae, right? I'm flying back from December the 12th. I'm coming back from Tigers Tournament in L.A. Mm-hmm. And it was the Sports Personality of the Year, 99. And it was my best year. So I thought, hang on got a chance here i was in the i was in the top 12 they had 12 at the time right although i wasn't there i knew i couldn't win but i was i i could get a place so i'm flying back from la and i go up to the cockpit because it was pre-2001 so i'm allowed to do that so i went up to the cockpit got sorry, my headphones sorry on, did you just wander one did you just wander into the cockpit were you invited or did you just knock well, on the no, door no, i didn't i didn't i didn't wander in i did i did knock i did knock <laughs> okay Come in, Monte. Oh, we play golf, you see, so that was fine. fine. So I put the headphones on and listened to the World Service, right? Because they were broadcasting the sportsman of the year. So it went 3-2-1. So third place, you see, so I'm thinking, well, this is my big chance, you see. And third place goes to Colin... M- and I thought, oh, hang on. God, that's... that's, that's God, Colin McRae. Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, it's him, not me. Mm. So that was it. So, terrible story, but at the same time, Colin McRae, brilliant, brilliant, and taken far too soon. He was, he was amazing. Oh, he was, yeah. he was. All absolutely. the blue Subarus. Remember all the blue Subarus at the, at his funeral? That, that, that oh. was, that was, that was, that was emotional. That was fantastic. Well, and he got a a video game named after Colin McRae. Well, I think it was Colin McRae's he rally. Did. So. It was, it was. It was a big, big seller, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monty's golf never wow. quite took off. There must have been early talks about that, and then Tiger came along and stole your thunder. I think it did. I think it did. Tiger was born and it killed everything. Yeah, mm, yeah exactly. <laughs> right, yes, go on, second question. Okay, second question. As you've already mentioned, Colin, you are 56 years old. Mm-hmm. Higher or lower, how old is Colin Firth? Oh, that's, that Colin is a good Firth. question. Now then. All right. It must be similar. Must I'm be within a year. Work it out. So, uh, his sort of younger. I reckon he's younger than me. I think he's fifty-five. Right. Okay. You go fifty-five. So, Pride and Prejudice would that have been about ninety-five, maybe something like that? And he was Mister Darcy, uh, and I reckon he would have been about thirty then. So, born in sixty-five. So, I think fifty-five might be a good guess. I'll have to go fifty-four then. Oh, he's fifty-nine. So he's what? From, he's, yeah, oh, he's, whoa! He's, all, he's so, Whoa, yeah, he's, three. he's looking good. He is looking good. Well, Tom Cruise is like seventy-four, isn't he? And he looks unbelievable for his age. So <laughs> he does. Just that's what Hollywood does. Which way you'll be soon, Andrew? Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Right. So that's um, okay. Uh, Colin wins that one then. So one all in this game. Which no, is, no, uh, no one won that. You both went younger, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, but he oh, was no, closer no, no. than you know. I grudgingly concede that hole to Colin. Uh, okay, okay. As uh, Seve right. did conceding a hole to Scott Hoch in uh, on did. behalf. <laughs> God, okay. God, God rest Seve, but uh, I'll never forgive him. Right. <laughs> right. Third question. <clears throat> right here we go. Colin Byrne. Yes. Lovely, lovely Irish caddy. Yes. He's had twenty-two mm-hmm. wins as a caddy. Now, Colin, how many top twenty finishes have you had in major championships? This is this is non-champions tour. This is you know, younger days, higher how, or lower than non- twenty-two. Oh goodness me! How many top twenties? Like, top twenties. Top twenties. Lower. I hate to say. 
I think it's lower than 22. Top 20s, I think it's lower. Bear with me a second as I just have a little okay. think, a think about this. Colin Byrne has won more tournaments than I've had top 20s and majors. Let me just have a think about this. Oh, thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, I reckon he's had... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. It's on Wikipedia. And what? That's unacceptable slander. Uh, actually, I can't be bothered counting the top 20s because they don't highlight those yellow on um, in my head on Wikipedia. I reckon he has had... So I reckon Monty was either... If he, if he wasn't in the top 10... Then he was he was rarely in the top twenty, so it was either top ten or or not. So I reckon f- fifteen top twenties. Nineteen. You go fifteen. I, I, yeah, I, oh. I, I, I would have said eighteen. I would have said eighteen before. And nineteen, really? Is that it? Nineteen top twenties. Well, okay. I mean, I didn't want to make you feel bad. I think that's pretty awesome. And I saw you had three seconds in the U.S. Open, so that's um. Yeah, right. you know, Don't, let's not bring them seconds. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, but yeah. I, yes, if you leave one of them out, please, that would be great. You okay. Know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. awkward silence. Right, 2 1 to Monty. <laughs> Final question. Colin, you won eight Order of Merits. But mm-hmm. how many US Billboard number one hits did Phil Collins have? Colin, Phil Collins. Very good, Eddie. Less than that. Seven. Six or seven. Uh, well, let me again that puts have a pressure think. On. That puts the pressure on, Andrew. Scroll, scrolling down, scrolling down in my head. Um, how many did you say, Colin? I would say six. I think I think it's fewer than that. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. Okay, I'll say five then. Seven. Oh, come on now. Really? Blooming, blooming wow. Collins. Um, wow. Right, so, so, uh, three Mon- and one victory. Monty has won that three and one. Well done, excellent. Congratulations, I'm very pleased for you. And uh, good. Well, question. the prize for winning is the latest Karcher power washer, so it's in the post. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, hello. Olive's, oh. Olive's woken up again. Oh, now then, hang on. The dogs have come into it again. Yeah. Uh, she's seen somebody. There's so many people walking up and down the outside our house now. Yeah. You tell them. You tell. Them. Where were they before all this? They weren't exercising. Anyway, uh, you know how we were talking about how time has been flying by during all this for some reason? During that quiz, it slowed down somewhat. Um, (laughs) Anyway, well done. Right, okay, we have no more serious questions for you, Monty, but um, uh, are you you outside playing again? Has the net been abandoned? Are you getting out to actually hit proper balls? No, the net has been abandoned. Uh, I am. You're currently talking to the honorary president of Wisley Golf Club, and I have been down there. And I visited Wisley last Friday when it was second day of opening, and lovely. It's nice to play. Don't know where you you pair have played yet, but the courses are immaculate. There's no divots on the fairway. You know, there's no divots. The greens are a bit softer because obviously there's less there's less uh, you know walking over them. But at the same time, the courses are fantastic, and and this weather's great. So I might go down again. Hmm. Hopefully, the range will open next week they're talking about that you know as long as you leave a gap between you and your and your guy behind you and uh, and off you go and i think that golf golf can work uh, through this time this social distancing golf can work it's one of the few sports that you can i mean i know you commentate on the rugby andrew but i mean rugby my god and the malls and the scrums and mm. what have you that could take a while you know but golf you know you can social distance and uh and managed to play a game, which is great, and it's fresh air as well, and exercise, and it's everything's good. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating to see when it's going to come back in all in all earnestness. So, um, yeah. not sure, Eddie. What do you think? Well, I had a question actually. I was on the phone to the ping guys for an hour in the week. We were talking about equipment, and I saw you you play ping. Am I right in saying that? You got the iron. I have. I yes, yes. I play the uh, the i two ten irons, and I play all right. the woods as well. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know what they call them, the 410s, is it? The G410s or something? Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. But I saw you had the 210s, and I spoke to the pin guys, and we were talking about the irons, and I said how much I like the offset and the long irons. But obviously, yeah. as you know, they, they decrease as the set goes on. But they said that Bernard Langer has offset to match his 5-iron throughout the whole set, which I thought was incredible, and I never even considered that. Have you tried that before, or have you come across... Well, obviously, you've played with Bernard plenty of times, I'm sure. So, Yeah, yeah, I've noticed... I notice he does bend his clubs uh, accordingly. I've I've gone gone through the set in order, uh, but I've always had offset in my hands. Being a fader of the ball, my weakness through my career was over feeding the ball. The fade became a bit of a slice sometimes, and the offset counteracted that. Uh, it was a slightly slightly later hit with the offset, and of course that allowing the club to to rotate slightly more. And of course, that that brought the club in squarer, you know, on impact. So, I've always liked offset, uh, always have. And uh, Langer looks for offset. I know he's been looking at new clubs because he's still got in his bag. He's still got the Hogan Apex clubs from the time we played together in the Ryder Cup in two thousand and two. Was he really? You're there. You're there. Eighteen years old. These things, at least. I mean, they're in his bag then. And. Uh, He's been trying to change the four and the five iron for donkeys and hasn't managed to do it. So I know offset offset gives me confidence. I don't know if it gives you the same, Eddie, but, but it gives me confidence putting the club behind the ball. The ball sits into the club mm. as opposed to the face being forward. I've never felt the confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. I, I must say I'm going to try it because I like the long irons. That's what I, I said to them. I love this, mm. the way it sits with long irons. And it, like you say, mm. when the when I look down on the face point somewhat left, I think brilliant. You know, it's built in the left yeah. so I can move on to the ball. And um, sure. I suppose, you know, I, I just I thought, hey, it's typical Bernard to try that, to even consider that and fair play to him. But, you know, also typical me being just pathetic that I wouldn't even consider it. And um so yeah, I thought I'm going to try that down the road. I was just curious if you had which clearly you have. Yeah. Offset offset the ping i 210s have a bit of offset they do. Yeah. 67 uh 6543 have a bit of offset and I, and that's why really I'm using them right now is because of that and and the consistency. Yeah. yeah. Well we were ho- we were hoping yeah. to get them there was potential for them to sponsor the podcast so this is definitely <laughs> going to help us Andrew, isn't it? Well, yeah, <laughs> I might actually just play this last section on a on a loop and say what do you think? I mean, this has been the product placement in this chat has been extraordinary. From from Karcher, we're all getting free jet washers and uh, a new set of irons. Anyway, listen, thanks for joining us, Colin. Um, and off you go to uh, try and dismantle the net, uh, do a bit more patio cleaning, and go and hit some balls. But always good to hear from you, and uh, we'll see you out there some sometime playing real golf, perhaps in better times. Thank you very much for having me on. You take right. care. Cheers, Colin. Bye bye. Bye bye. The Pepper Pod. So there was Monty. Off he went. Um, God, he's he's entertaining, isn't he? Some, uh, yes, he is. That it was just there was a lot of good stuff in there. He's just a legend. Um, but we didn't get your impression. Is there any chance we can get no, ten seconds? No, there isn't because it's not that good. It it used to be good, but I've kind of lost it now. Um, so um, I'm not your your puppet. 
to a dance dancing monkey um dancing monkey puppet uh right what have we got to talk about just a little bit actually i want to talk about what uh, rory mcelroy said in another podcast the mckellar golf podcast with a couple of uh, friends of mine Lawrence donning and john huggins very good podcast and they got the, the astonishing thing about this is so many people make approaches to mcelroy and go through the official channels and you know get 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 nowhere um but then this just happened i think Lawrence actually put out a tweet saying oh, i would love to get mcelroy on at Rory McIlroy on to, to have a chat and, and McIlroy just got back to them and said yeah fine an hour and 20 minutes of of gold um, he didn't have a story about going into the cockpit of a plane and listening to the world service but everything else was in there if you if you get a chance to listen to it it was absolutely fantastic and then in the last 20 minutes as well his comments about Trump and about the time that he played with them and about the Ryder Cup it was all fantastic I mean the comments on Trump are obviously what people picked up on because he had played with Donald Trump and got criticism for it at the time and he'd said I, I thought it would be, you know, you're playing with the office, not the man. And I thought it'd be very interesting. Uh, and he said in this podcast, look, he has something. He doesn't agree with his policies, but clearly the guy has something. Um, I mean, he was very frank about the experience. He says he wouldn't play with him again. He's very critical of him as a leader. I mean, he's not saying anything that any sentient being would, wouldn't really agree with. But the fact that he was saying them at all was quite something because people in sport, sports, you know, active sports people are not often... Um, too forthcoming. They don't want to stick their head above the parapet, especially in the golf world in America, where you know it's big business. It tends to be a little bit right of centre as well. So um, it's just a it's just a great listen. And I know you'd speak your mind, Eddie, but I suppose once you get to a certain level, McElroy is you can almost say what you want with impunity because you are you are big enough to to take any any flack that might come back. Well, yeah, and you know it's not like he called him a. <laughs> Dog bark, sting, uh, no legal action. Right. So, um, just on uh, what we were talking about with with Monty, a bit of you know, the fact that golfers are going to have to quarantine to play in the states of travelling there from overseas. So, at the moment, the PGA Tour is pressing ahead with their plans to get back at the Charles Schwab. That's the Colonial, which starts on the 11th of June. Now, McElroy has said that he plans to be in that field. He plans to play the first three. The rescheduled Heritage is the week after, and then the Travellers Championship in Connecticut the week after that. So players are going to be subject to testing throughout tournament weeks. As you were saying, Eddie, you know, players will be removed from a tournament if things change during the tournament and suddenly they test positive. I think, as Colin said, they get um, they get a they get a prize they get prize money if they're pulled out, uh, sort of compensation fee. I think Monty mentioned a hundred thousand dollars. We'll have to check that. That would be uh, quite a, a parachute payment. And the USPGA, which is due to start on the sixth of August. But it might end up being moved from California because of the quite stringent um, measures in place in, in California. The rumours of playing the PGA at Sawgrass, which are PGA headquarters. So again, it, it's really just all a bit vague, isn't it? But um, it's extraordinary the lengths that people are going to have to go through to play in the States if they're not from there. Yeah, it is. And it's going to, you know, ask some very... Uh Important questions of every individual, I suppose, you know, depending on their, their family position at home and, and how much they're willing to, uh, well, the risk they're willing to take. You know, I certainly know that I wouldn't want to do it. And I know I won't be going to the USPGA um, at this point, you know, with the current travel restrictions. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's what it is. But um, So you wouldn't yes. go, you wouldn't, um, 
I mean, obviously things might be different come August, but you you wouldn't feel comfortable about the whole travel situation. Well, it's just if I had to go somewhere and quarantine for a week or two and then come back from that one-week tournament, which is the only one I'd be eligible for, for example, the USPGA, when I could play three or four in the UK if, if that goes ahead. You know, for me, I would rather play those three or four in the UK and just miss the major. It's not it's not that big a deal for me, to be honest. So, um, you know, obviously it's a bit different if you're going over there for a run of four or five. But, um, you know, I know like what Tommy Fleetwood said, you know, he's is he, is he going to want to be away from his family for two, three months? And the answer is probably not. Mm. And for these guys who have lots of long-term security, you know, what is three months in a 25-year career? It's really nothing. So if you just withdraw yourself from the immediate picture, I think you will make a better decision. And um, I think that's, yeah. Okay, well, there we are on the on the PGA Tour. And, and think about golfers who are based over here, but are regular players over there. Clearly not an ideal situation. Uh, so let's speak to one of the very best who is in just that position, and Francesco Molinari. <laughs> Francesco, welcome. Uh, again, what have you been doing with yourself over the last couple of months? How has it all been for you? Thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, a lot of homeschooling, which is even less fun that, than expected. And uh, yeah, that's it really. I've got a net in my garden, hitting balls there, a bit mm. like everyone else. Yeah. How, how, is your, how is your teaching? What areas do you specialise in? <laughs> I think uh, there are probably now a few more swear words than before the lockdown, but apart from that, I don't think I've taught them too much. Okay. Well, it's, uh, these are valuable life lessons and uh, valuable parts of vocabulary to have. So is it all done in Italian then? No, no, all, all in English. Oh. Well, no, uh, yeah, some swearing in Italian maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I tend to forget. I, I do uh, fanculo. That's the only one I know. Um, would you say, uh, Francesco, that since working with Dave Allred, do you, do you imagine that your teaching um, may have changed? You know, so, you know, obviously he's quite a strict disciplinarian, isn't he, Dave? And uh, do, you, do yeah. you imagine he's had any influence on your teaching of your children? Well, I, I, w- I was hoping for it before before beginning, you know, to, to test my skills. He's, Dave is very positive and, you know, always try to, to say the right thing and blah, blah, blah. But no, it doesn't seem to have any any good influence on me on on my teaching yeah i I should probably go back to him and ask him for some tips Hmm. how good is your um how good is your home golf setup because you said you've got a net is that is that it or uh you must i can imagine you've got a pretty impressive studio uh no 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 north london you know is not exactly known for golf studios so Hmm. I've got, I've got, no, yeah, literally a net in the garden and a mat on the on the grass, killing the grass. There's, there's looks like a, a UFO signs on the garden because there's this square brown patch going around. Did you see the European Tour tweeted a couple of weeks ago a picture of like an indoor studio? Someone had put, I think, turned their swimming pool, their indoor swimming pool into like a studio, but they didn't give away whose house it was. And I... Yeah kind of think they did that for a reason because it looked so extravagant i wondered if you uh wanted to play a guessing game with me francesco who that might have been or if you indeed know no 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 clue mm-hmm. was it was it in london no i think it must have been in america it was it was so terrible it couldn't have been british <laughs> um but uh, i was curious as to who it might have been i need to go and look at this now to find out know. um what about well you can get back out to because you play at the uh at the wisley don't you and uh, uh, towards the southwest of london so are you able to get yeah. back out there now 
Well, they, they've opened nine halls uh, as of last Wednesday. I, I haven't been yet, to be honest. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. No, I'll probably go at some point, but right now I find it, to be honest, a little bit hard to you know, motivate myself to, to go out and play. There's not really much much point to it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well- well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I was wondering about the sort of motivation of players when you you haven't got a definite start date for things. What uh, you know, do you lose a little bit of the drive or the appetite for keeping your game as, as as sharp as possible? Probably, I would say. I mean, you know, most people would say, no, no, no. Of course, you're still the same. But when when you don't have something you know definite to to practice towards, it I think it affects anyone really. Mm. Uh, but yeah, and, and pair with that, uh, I've been doing some decent work, I feel like, you know, in, in the garden, as, as crazy as it sounds, sending videos to to Dennis, to my coach, and, and just getting his feedback. Mm. And I, yeah, I, I don't think going out and, and you know, playing nine holes uh, with a mate would be more productive, probably would be more fun, but not, not more productive. Yeah, Eddie's got a question for you about the Wisley, which you have to get correct. Ooh. Yeah, do you know who the honorary president of the Wisley is? <laughs> Monty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he'll be he'll be so pleased. Well, I'm I'm, I'm honorary vice president. It would be it would be terrible <laughs> if I didn't know. Oh, so the, he's 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 kept you down at vice president. He's president. I mean, come on, can you not just wave the claret jug in his direction? Say no, no, no. no. I think he's he's other mates still. Trump, my mm. my Open Championship. I'm not I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that at all. So listen, we we we've been talking a bit about the difficulties of players going to play in the United States on the PGA Tour, and, and you're obviously a player based over here who plays a lot over there. But it's it's just going to be so difficult for players to go through the rigmarole of self isolation when they do go over there. So what are your thoughts about when you might get back over there to play? Uh, Hard, hard to foresee right now. I, th- I think for guys with a, with a young family like me, it's really not even an option right now to, to go there, you know, to, to quarantine two weeks when you get there and then two weeks when you get back. Mm. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, I'll just have to, to wait for when these measures and restrictions are maybe a bit softer. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and see, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be flexible, to be honest. I, I don't, don't have very strict plans right now. No, but I mean, when you look at something like the USPJ in August, it seems a, a long way away still, but if any sort of restrictions were still in place, then uh, it's difficult to see how a major could happen with a, with a full field if some players are going to be reluctant to go over there. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, we're all obviously hoping, you know, for the, for the virus to get weaker over the summer, I guess, and... and I saw that Italy yesterday, I think, announced that they're gonna like open borders at the beginning of June, hoping to get some tourists in. Uh, so if more countries, you know, go the same way for the summer, it might give us a a better chance to to travel and and play. Hmm. Early on, when when things were really quite bad in northern Italy, I mean, I was I was wondering if you know you had connections. I mean, obviously you're very closely connected to that part of Italy as well. And you, were you watching it from afar? And I don't know if you knew people who were were involved because the lockdown was pretty tight early on in in, in Italy. 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I've got my, my parents in Turin, obviously, my, my brother lives there. And uh, yeah, I remember I was still in Bay Hill uh, a couple of months ago now when and Italy was already in full lockdown. And, and yeah, there it seemed like, you know, it was something completely alien to, to the US, which obviously turned out not to be the case. But no, fortunately, my, my family in Italy, they're all well. Uh, obviously, yeah, I've heard of, you know, friends of friends or stuff like that, that unfortunately uh, are not with us anymore. But yeah, it's, it's been really bad over there. Uh, looks like the numbers are a little bit better now. So hopefully it keeps going that way. Yeah. No, go on. Sorry, I was just going to mention, Andrew, you may or may not know, but uh, as we're all dog lovers, Eduardo has a fantastic dog, Toto. I don't know if you've ever met him, but uh, he's a great dog, isn't he, Francesco? Yeah, yeah, very, very funny English bulldog. And I think they were going to get another one just before the lockdown and they had to postpone because of all of this. But yeah. Uh, Have you not got a, a family dog yet? Francesco? We've got two cats. No, oh, no dogs, on. no. That's unacceptable. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask you about the Ryder Cup because obviously you're such a key figure in the last Ryder Cup and and different players seem to be taking different approaches in terms of I think it should happen or I don't think it should happen because there, there might not be any fans. So do you think that a Ryder Cup has to happen full on or or that it could happen without fans? No, I mean, as a, as a player... I don't think it makes sense, to be honest, to, to play with no fans. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more to it. You know, there's all the, the financial and, and uh, economical side to it. Uh, I guess it would still be pretty decent TV. I, I'd definitely watch it if I wasn't there playing. But for the players that are going to be there, I don't think it's going to be obviously the the same with, with no crowds you know it's such a huge part of the of the Ryder Cup that it would feel very very strange mm. but yeah I don't know I, I hope you know when they do take the, the decision for this year uh, in Whistling Straits they think about the the image of the Ryder Cup too you know not mm. sure it would be long-term beneficial to to see a Ryder Cup this year with, with no fans do you think, Francesco, if you did play just hypothetically this year, no crowds, and you played with Tommy again, do you think you'd be kissing each other as much if there were no crowds there? <laughs> uh, yeah, or more. Maybe, maybe more, maybe more. <laughs> I was thinking less less people around. I guess mm-hmm. a few people will still be watching back home, but yeah. No, we, we would have fun anyway, because in the end, you know, we, we're golfers, we're competitors. I'm sure, you know, if we're going to be there, whoever is going to be there is going to be trying to their hardest to win. But yeah, I don't know. When when we look back in a, in a few years, uh, will we think it, it was uh, the right decision if we if we play with no fans? I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. Listen, listen thank, thank you very much for stopping by for a while, Francesco, in your uh, busy pleasure. schedule. Yeah, my pleasure. Is that how they say it in Italian? I don't even know if that's a thing. I learned that from Bugsy Malone. Um, what do you say for my pleasure in Italian? Uh, piacere mio. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, Similar. So, 
Fat Sam in Bugsy Malone was lying to me. That's nonsense. Right, anyway, listen, thank you, Francesco, very much. Um, and we shall see you... Back to teaching. Back to teaching. Good luck with that. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks thank for the break. Uh, yeah, all right, cheers. Thanks, Francesco. <laughs> Thanks, Bye-bye. Francesca. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Eddie Pepperell. Which one is he again? Francesco Molinari. Is there anyone with a deeper voice in golf than Francesco Molinari? Um, you've put me on the spot, but I definitely can't think of one. No. It's tremendous. It's just... I love I, the way he said uh, what he said in Italian there. The yeah, thing that we've a, already forgotten, oh, but it's just it's beautiful. It's a beautiful language, isn't it? It's just it? Yeah. beautiful. Oh, God. Yeah. We're going to have to end our podcast with that this week, I think. Uh, in the meantime, Eddie... Uh, the LPGA, I saw they're having some of their top players playing against each other on the LPGA E-Tour, which is them playing the WGT video game. I watched a bit of Angel Yin against Lizette Salas. Karen Stupples was doing the commentary. So have you not been invited to play in any online games with your chat? I thought that would be gold dust. No, I haven't, and I just don't know why. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just haven't been invited, so I'm not taking it personally. Um, mm. But uh, I'll remember it. Yeah, I think it's because they know, like I do, that the amount of editing that might be required. So, um, right, time for our regular features. Um, It's time for this. Yeah, that's quite good if you like that sort of thing. Eddie recommends. It's everybody's favourite. Eddie, what have you got for us this week? (laughs) Oh, um, well, I think the lockdown's taking its toll on me. Andrew, because I was up all night last night thinking about what can I recommend. And uh, after nine hours of thinking, um, nothing came to me. So uh, I'm mm. throwing it back to you this week, Andrew, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm, I've got nothing out there. You've nothing? Nothing. <laughs> Have you recommended all this stuff in your life? Um, I can't recommend. I don't know. Hang on a second. I'm looking at my bookshelf. Um, scrambles on Sky uh, and some Ordnance Survey maps. I recommend the maps of the Ordnance Survey. Actually, no, hang on. I've got something here on my right. So at the moment, um, with my dodgy hip, it's playing up for reasons best known to myself. I've been trying to take on random people in Strava and running too hard on tarmac because the trails that I usually run on for soft impact, they're just full of people at the moment. Anyway, so um, so my hip's playing up. Um, so I've got I've got various massage devices. Um, I mean, so many uh, spiky balls and and things like uh, black black roll, which is an amazing size, size peanut that you put in your back. All sounds decidedly dodgy. So, um, but I've got this. I've got a couple of massage guns as well. Um, so you put the the correct uh, fitting on it, and you can get right into the uh, TFL. Um, yeah, hang on a second. Let me just switch this. <laughs> Okay, so that's that's five. That's not going to do. That's setting six. Hang on a second. Right, let's put it up to twenty. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So that is my massage gun, which is brilliant. Just gets right in, right in there. Um, and that's by I. It's, it's by someone called Jane Choi. Um, it's quite a simple massage gun, but if you have a problem, it's quite a cheap one, but it works. It's the best of all the ones I have. Uh, it's interesting you say that. I have actually got a couple of those types of things. One of them is called, um, I don't know why it's called the womanizer, but it's um, it's actually a, like a massage gun that blows air, but it blows it in such a way that it acts in the same kind of way. And um, yeah, it's uh, really stimulating and invigorating. 
I don't know. Again, I don't know if I'm being taken for a ride here, but there we are. So uh, I'm recommending a massage gun, a Jane Choi massage gun. God, we have recommended so many things. So we've got Ping, we've got Karcher, we've got Jane Choi, and all sending us uh, free stuff this week. Um, right. So nothing on Eddie recommends, but that. Uh, uh, let's quickly have a chat about um, a few names. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there aren't many golfers called Alan. Here we go again. There aren't many golfers called Alan. Again, lots of people contact us and say, what about X, Y and Z when we were playing the X, Y and Z names? So Stephen Richardson, I forgot to talk about him. He played in the 91 Keogh Island Ryder Cup as well when we're talking about Steve's and Stevens. David Guilford, uh, well, he was also in that Ryder Cup, kept cows, I think, David Guilford. Played with Faldo. They put him with Faldo. Faldo didn't talk to him. And they lost seven and six. He was a very, very good player for a while, David Guilford, right down the middle. And Brian Huggett. I mean, Brian Huggett was a legend of, of Welsh golf, still is. Um, and I forgot him and the Bryans. But this is, again, it. We, we forget live talking about various names. So this week I was going to do Frank in honour of Francesco Molinari. Um, but I can only think of Frank Nobolo and Frank Licklighter. So because I spoke to the great man, Alice, yesterday, we're going to do Pete or Peter's. This week, um, Calvin Pete doesn't count. First name Pete or Peter, um, and you can kick us off, Eddie. <clears throat> okay, I'll go for uh, Peter Uline, mm. son of Wally, who uh, is uh, well. He used to own, I think, a Kushnet. So um, more more branding for us. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, Pete's a lovely guy. I played a lot with him. He came over with Brooks. Actually, in fact, he came over just before Brooks Kepka to play the Challenge Tour, and I think he was quite influential in Brooks coming over. Actually. And, um, yeah, Pete's a great guy and plays in America now, but uh, once lent me his lob wedge at Leopard Creek after I threw mine in a lake um, on the 16th of par 3. And, uh, yeah, fell in love with Vokey wedges again. When was that? So this, uh, this... Was, I think it was like my rookie year on tour, 2012, 2013. Mm. Angry and, uh, young man. Yeah, uh, He was a great amateur, though, wasn't he? He was the US amateur champion, top-ranked amateur in the world, and you know, everyone said, oh, well, son of... Son of Wally gets the free stuff, etc. But he was a, he was a he was a properly talented player. He was and actually out of that uh, another George Coetzee story came because there used to be a hippo in that lake river mm. thing called Harry Harry the hippo and uh, Leper Creek and um, I I think I wound Jen up one year because he wasn't there anymore the Harry and mm. um, I said that he died because he choked on the lob wedge that I threw in there. Um, it's not funny to joke about that I know but mm. um, right so um, Peter Uline kicks us off Peter Roosterhouse. Uh, a great player, lovely man. Uh, Runner-up at the 1974 Open to Gary Player. Runner-up at Troon in 82 to Tom Watson. Finished third in the Masters. Won the Order of Merit on the sort of embryonic European tour from 71 to 74 every year. Then he based himself in the States, had lots of good finishes before winning the 81 Canadian Open. Beat Jack Nicholas into second place. Then a long and uh, and very successful career as a commentator. Hasn't been too well of late, but um, Peter Roosterhaus, just a, a, a wonderful player. Yeah, um, Peter Laurie. Mm. I think he's been mentioned uh, on the podcast before. <laughs> Not the best tee shot in the world. Um, but yeah, I played with Peter a few times in my uh, earlier career, and I think when he was coming towards the end of his. It's, I think he's got an addiction to Coke. He, he wrote an article about this once, didn't he? I want to say he even did a BBC Sport. This is Coca-Cola. Mm. Um, Again, I just think before he, the dogs uh, get involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure he has an addiction to Coca-Cola. And uh, I remember there was an article on BBC Sport. Google it. I think uh, you'll find something. It's pretty amazing. There was an urban myth that in the original 
Coca-Cola back in the day, more product placement. That in the original Coca-Cola, there there was cocaine, <laughs> and that was I, oh, I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, yeah, I've heard that. And see if that was in any way true. Anyway, I'll leave a little gap here, and if it's not true, we'll um, we'll clear that up. I can take this one. I'm like Chris Whitty stepping in when the government minister starts to say something vague or stumble around a bit. I'm here with the actual facts. Cocaine was indeed evident in early Coca-Cola, deriving from the coca leaves which were used in the preparation of the drink. It was removed as an ingredient in 1903. It didn't appear to change the taste but possibly made it slightly less Moorish. Right, okay, um, from Peter Laurie and his gentle addiction to soft drinks, uh, move on to probably the greatest uh, Peter, Peter Thompson, who won the Open five times, three in a row in 54, 55, 56. So Peter Thompson, the Australian from Melbourne, probably the greatest Open Championship golfer of all time. Take this 20-year run, Eddie. From his first Open in 1951 until 1971, so that's 21 appearances, he had 18 top 10s. 1951 to 1958 at the Open Championship, he went 6th, 2nd, 2nd, 1st, 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 2nd, 1st. Amazing. Yeah. And he just didn't, he didn't play that often in the in the States, but he was the master of of the Open Championship and just absolutely one of the greats. I think if, if I was asked to put my top three swings in golf in history, I've got Hogan at number one, probably Sneed at number two, and then Peter Thompson at number three. It's, it's that the, the flow is just oh. oh the simplicity of it as well. It's one of those swings yeah. that you watch and you think, right, I'll just go ahead and do that, and then you realise yeah. that you can't. Um, I mean, you actually, I can. should probably keep the uh, Wokies happy and say uh, Mickey Wright maybe number three, but um, hmm. you know, great swing. Um, hmm. I'm going for Peter Hansen. I signed to the same management company actually when I turned pro to him, but uh, Peter's quite a nice guy, and I remember watching the Masters. Do you remember when he was leading the Masters and he shanked it on the 12th? That's like a memory that sticks out like a sore thumb to me mm. um, for that, yeah. Peter. Um, well, he was really good, wasn't he, for a few years? He had a couple of great years. Well, he was two, two times Ryder Cup, 2010 yeah. and 12. And then, yeah, I think we mentioned before in the pod that he just, he's fallen away because he's still only 42, early, yeah, early 40s. And yeah. He's just fallen away, but yeah, nice, nice chap. Right, uh, a lot of Australian Peters. So we've gone from Peter Thompson to Peter Senior. Peter Senior, uh, he was, uh, I mean, not not a huge man, five foot seven, won four times in the European Tour, twenty one wins in the Australasian Tour, won the Australian Masters twice, the Australian PGA three times, played on the first two President Cup teams. He had a this sort of really upright, you know, sort of stuffy, quick swing. Looked a bit like Bobby Ball, or is that Tommy Cannon? Bobby Ball. Uh, the smaller one with a moustache. Um, but he was a great player. Um, I think he stopped playing recently because of a hip injury, familiar tale, but uh, a, a fantastic player to watch, Peter Senior. Have you yeah. have you running out of Peters now? Uh, of course, I've only really got one more. Uh, I know there's another one called Peter Lonard. He's also Australian, isn't he? Yeah, you can have that um, without giving many facts about him. Yeah, well, I, um, interesting fact, there is one lad who I actually played with once. I think he's still an amateur. He's an American guy, um, Peter Young, and he's the grandson of Carl Young. <sighs> How many people are related to Carl Young? There's so many. Oh. Amazing. Right, okay. Peter Young. Uh, well, you can have Peter Lonard. Obviously, you're not having Peter Young, even though he does exist. He's not related to Carl Young. Um, Peter uh, Peter O'Malley, an Australian. 
So he was just about the straightest hitter around. Won three times in the European Tour. Won the 1992 Scottish Open at Glen Eagles when Monty it was, it had a big showdown with Monty. Monty wore the Saltire jersey that year. But O'Malley, O'Malley won it. So he was the straightest hitter on tour. So who's the straightest hitter, do you think, now on the, t- on the two main men's tours, the PGA Tour, European Tour? Have a guess. For last year, we'll give it. We'll give it for 2019. On the, well, They're two different people. Um. Oh God! Uh, I haven't got a clue. To be honest, you tell me. Kevin I will Kisner? do. No. no, no, that's a, a good guess. He is up there. Ches Reevy on the PGA oh, Tour. Ches, yeah. Uh, on the European Tour, there's American Paul Peterson who hit 76 percent of fairways, but he didn't play that many events. So I think the person we'd give it to because he's up there all the time is Ashley Chester's. Oh yeah, actually very short but very straight. Yeah, well, there's the common theme. So where do you think you ranked last year on driving accuracy? Well, not only am I short, I'm also wild. I don't think so, you're too bad on accuracy because you're, you're... Have a guess well, where you is, think you are. The thing is with the statistics is that I hit my three-wood quite a lot, so that, mm. that bears on those. So it's, uh, you know, I'm actually very long. But um, I'm probably, oh, I don't know, 50th in accuracy. Wow, 47th. Yeah, so there we oh. are. Um, driving distance, who was longest in the European Tour last year? Don't care. <laughs> okay, Minwoo Lee does care, the Australian teenager. I'm not sure he's still a teenager. Average 320.49 yards. Second, Ryan Fox, New Zealander, son of Grant Fox, kicked Scotland to defeat in 1990. Uh, Ryan Fox, who was absolutely dead last in driving accuracy. Is that so right? Yeah. But you see, strokes gained. Where is he strokes gained driving? I bet he's right up there. I don't know. I couldn't be bothered looking at those stats. No, um, uh, driving distance for you, where do you think you are? But oh, again, way down. But again, it just it's not it's not representative of the truth. No. Okay. Hundred fiftieth, two eighty five point one nine. But again, if you're hitting three woods a lot of the well, time, that's three iron. Who was the shortest on the tour on the European tour last year? See, now this is probably either going to be Matteo Manasero or no. um, who's the Indian fella? SSP. SSP Chaurizia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two hundred sixty six yard average. Um, so One of the are. best short games I've ever seen, though. Really? Oh, remarkable. Ah oh dear. Right, let's uh, let's draw Peters to an end here. I could say Peter Costas, who was uh, commentating for a long time for CBS. They had a bit of an overhaul. Out he went, but he was the one who did the swing analysis. And it's, I think he's still coaching Casey, a long-time coach of of Paul Casey. And Peter Whiteford won a few times in the Challenge yeah. Tour, lost a playoff at the 2013 Ballantines in Korea to Brett Rumford. Brother Stuart, a good pro as well, has a very good golf podcast. I think it's Talk, Talk Golf Scotland. Anyway, so I can't think of any more Peters. Um, no, I actually played that uh, tournament in South Korea, and I had a local caddy that week. I forgot his name, but uh, lovely, lovely fella. I've got a photo mm. with him, actually. But uh, there aren't many golfers called SSP, are there? That's uh, Maybe could change the name. We'd have to get him to um, do the new jingle there. Yeah, such a lovely fella, my caddy. Can't remember his name. Anyway, um, right, OK, there we are. There aren't many golfers called Alan. There are, yep, quite a few called Pete or Peter. Okay, there we are. That just about does it for this week, folks. Um, again, keep your reviews coming in. There's some very nice ones. I'm not going to pick any out, but um, there's some very nice reviews coming in. And it genuinely is um, heartwarming to see um, that uh, we're keeping you company on various walks and things like that. So, And also, countries listening. We're up to 112 now in the world. So um, a couple of countries that you wouldn't necessarily expect, Eddie. Uh, Mongolia. There have been four, four downloads of the podcast in Mongolia. Um so Mongolia is the most sparsely populated country in the world. There are only about 2.8 million people living in a country which is about seven times the size of the of the UK. 
Um, what else can I say? So there is, there are, I mean, I think there are two or three golf courses in the capital, Ulaanbaatar, Ulaanbaatar as it used to be known. Anyway, um, Mount Bogd Golf and Country Club on the outskirts of Ulaanbaatar is the first 18-hole course in the country. Described on its Facebook page as a Lynx-style golf club, uh, despite the fact that it's about 2,000 miles from the sea. Um, designed by an American company, Gary Player not involved, is part of the Sky Resort, Resort um, part of the Sky Resort, which appears to be a snow-based fun place, um, because the capital, Yulan Batar, is at about 5,000 feet. So, um, But the whole of Mongolia you could call a, a golf course. Do you know why, Eddie? No. No, well, I'm about to tell you. In 2002, Andre Tolmey, I think he was an American, golfed across Mongolia. He, he took him 90 days and 12,170 shots with a three iron, took a three iron to complete the Mongolian golf course. Uh, 2.3 million yards, lost 509 balls. I mean, how long would you have lasted with your bag of about four balls? Um <laughs> And he was named Golfer of the Year in 2004 by the New York Times. Wrote a book about it called I Golfed Across Mongolia, which is a snappy and mm. to-the-point title. But um, Mongolia is um, historically um, the home of which famous... I was about to say warlord, but he wasn't really a warlord. He was just a, one of the most famous people in history um, in in the 13th century, early 13th century. He Oh, I think I can picture well. his face, but uh, I, I can't... Has he got like a funny moustache that comes quite low? Like um, handlebar. Yes, I think in popular um, uh, artistic depictions he yeah. would have that. So Go Genghis on. Khan. Um, That's the one. Genghis Khan. Founded the Mongol Empire. Terrible. Um, t- well, terrible, but a very efficient man. <laughs> very successful. <laughs> and actually, I, I had read a couple of things that said, because he's got this terrible reputation, Genghis Khan, but actually that him, a lot of his... Policies were quite fair. <laughs> Describing the Donald Trump of his time, nobody was. Uh, he was. Um, yeah, I, I think you should just if you want to go and read up on Genghis Khan rather than hear me say, yeah, well, he did some good things. Um, but his grandson Kublai Khan conquered China to establish the Yuan Dynasty, and Kublai Khan inspired the poem of the same name by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Well, I think opium played its part as well in in inspiring that. But um, yeah, in Xanadu, did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree. And then Olivia Newton-John had a, a song about it. Anyway, that's just about all I've got, really, on Mongolia. What about um, what have you got from our obscure countries which listen to the podcast? Well, Papua New Guinea um, are listening now. And mm. uh, I, I, I don't know who's listening there, but I'm really hoping it's one of the uh, young men or women from uh, the uh, one of the tribes. They have many tribes. Um, I came across the Highland peoples online. Um, which uh, isn't, isn't, there aren't any Scots in Papua New Guinea. These are different types of Highland people. Oh, but uh, um, yeah, they were interesting fellas. And uh, I, I I figured I could maybe fit in, you know, on this carnival diet because pig husbandry is a big thing there. And uh, I thought, you know, that would um, that would suit me. Um, I will say I came across a guy called Chief Asrocks online. And what was interesting about him, other than his face, because it was a very, very unique face, but... He, uh, he has a walking stick and he uses a golf club as a walking stick. So um, I always think that's great when you're out walking the dogs and you see people with walking sticks. Imagine seeing one with a golf club. Yeah. But uh, the only other thing I came across was there was a PGA of Australia tour event there yeah. um, played a few years ago. At, I think Lay Golf Club, I want to say it was pronounced. Um, I haven't got a clue who won. Uh, George Coates here could have won it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was called the Trukai Morobe Open. 
So uh, I have look at look at that some facts for you there. You must be proud of me. That's good. Going fact. Back to school. That is fantastic. You've been in Molinari Academy, and we've all learned something <laughs> there. Um, anyway, so uh, good chatting as always, Eddie. Uh, enjoy your week's golf, and we will be back next week. We're never going to leave you, dear listener, again. So uh, stay classy, and yeah, we'll see see you next week. Bye bye now. Bye bye now, and bye bye from Francesco. Piacere mio. Mm-hmm.